Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Numbers chapter 22 in our Bibles. Numbers chapter 22. I do have an announcement for you. Before we get into our passage tonight, um, I want to say thank you, Kirkland, for leading singing tonight. Kirkland uh, just ready to graduate from high school and uh, heading off to college in the fall, Lord willing, and uh, praying about what God has for him in the future. So he does have a love for music, and so he directed music for us uh, for the month of, what would have been, March, April. April on Wednesday nights, and then we plugged him in on a Sunday night, and uh, we'll give him that opportunity again sometime this summer. And of course, we'll expect you to pick the offertory, uh, correctly identify the offertory, whatever that may be. Mrs. Scott, make sure you work up a really good one for him. But thank you, Kirkland, for uh, stepping in and, and uh, for desiring God's will for your life. Uh, I do have an announcement here. Gene Rademacher's father passed away this week. Um, we we had him in the prayer bulletin on Wednesday. Uh, he had a surgery, uh, I believe it was on Wednesday, and he came through the surgery, um, but uh, his heart stopped several times that night. Uh, uh, she was able to be with him Wednesday evening. He was eating ice chips, and, uh, and then the Lord took him home. So uh, Jean described her father as uh, an excellent man, an excellent father. And, uh, of course, it was unexpected. So be in prayer for Jean and her husband, Clem, and the grandchildren and the children involved. Uh, Jean's mother is still living, and so there's all of that, uh, what to do, uh, whether mom can take care of herself, all those sort of things. So be in prayer for Jean. Uh, Visitation and funeral, from what I am told, will be at Howe Peterson Funeral Home. Um, if you go to the Hal Peterson Funeral Home website and get the exact details, the visitation will be on Tuesday, May 7th, from 2 to 8 p.m. And, uh, and then the funeral will be on the 8th, this Wednesday at 11 o'clock a.m. So even if you can't go as a church family, this is an opportunity for us to pray and uphold her in prayer. Uh, cards would be, would be uh, proper, right, prayers, flowers, those sorts of things. So make sure you love on her as she lost her daddy. All right, Numbers chapter 22 in our Bibles. Numbers chapter 22. Do you believe that God knows what's best for you? you believe that? you believe that he wants what's best for you? And I'm not trying to trick you there. Um, You can answer. Um, I believe he knows what's best for us. I also believe he wants what's best for us. I believe he's actively working to accomplish that what is that, that which is best for his children. But what is best is not always easy. Um, we sometimes, when, if we think about a question like that, do, do you believe that God always wants what's best for us? We tend to say, well, yes and no, because he doesn't always give us what's, what I think is best for me. But what we think is kind of irrelevant, <laughs> Because God always does what is right. Um, And so with that in mind, if we really believe that God knows what is best for us, and if we really believe that God wants what is best for us, the question that might follow would be, well, then how can we know God's way? How can we know God's will for our lives? If If he wants what's best and he knows what's best, then it would make sense that I would want to know 
His will. I'd want to know what is the best way, His plan for my life, so I can walk in that way. And so my question is, how does He communicate to us His will for us? You can answer out loud, if you'd like. Don't overthink it. His word. Yes, His word. Yes. Is that what you said, too? We got a double whammy. His word, yeah. Okay, through prayer, yeah. And, and by his spirit. So by the leading of his Holy Spirit in our lives, he, he leads us from within, and his Holy Spirit always agrees with his word. His Holy Spirit will never disagree with his word, okay. And so that's, that's how we know. And so the question then really is, well, then are we listening to what, his direction is for us? That's the question. Or the, the, yeah, it's a question. Are, are, are you listening to how he's leading you in your life? Are, are we responding in obedience to him? Are we living in worry? Are we living in fear? I mean, there are things in life that cause worry, right? We, we, not for you all, but for me and a couple of people, they do. Um, it, we're, we're prone to worry sometimes. Um, fear can creep in. Anxiety can overwhelm a person. Um, you know, there's carnal desires that we all face from within our own flesh. Carnality, fleshly desires, worldly desires. First uh, John describes them as the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. We all face those things. But those things will never lead us in the way that God wants us to go. But God knows what's best, and he wants what's best for us, and he's speaking to us by his word. He's leading us by his spirit from within. And so the question again is, are we listening? Are we listening to what he's saying? There have been times in my life, more than I can recall, there have been times in my life where my unwillingness to listen to God has brought me great fear and anxiety and worry in my life. And uh, I would have been a whole lot better off if I had just been willing to listen to him and trust him and trust him. Trust that he knows what's best. The Bible says in Revelation several times over, Jesus said this, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And I believe that that the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to us today by his word, by his word, and are, am I listening for it? Well, we're going to look at a Old Testament narrative. It's one of my favorite Bible stories in all of the Bible. And I was telling William this afternoon, William, you're, I think you're going to love this Bible story we're going to look at tonight um, because it has to do with a donkey and a disobedient prophet who dies by the sword it has an angel in it who has a sword, and the donkey actually talks. You know, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, I should have some volunteers come up here. We'll have somebody be an angel, and we'll have somebody be the disobedient prophet. We'd have to have somebody be the donkey. But I didn't know how I would make those choices. And so we're not going to do that tonight. But if you want to imagine people from our church up here in these, you're welcome to do that. But I'm not going to choose them tonight. Let's, let's get into the story. Numbers chapter 22. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. I'll read down through verse 12, and then we're going to pray. Now, unlike 
what we normally do in the New Testament, we're not going to be able to come back and work our way through. It's a narrative, so we're going to have to keep rolling as we go along. So pay close attention, and we'll move along tonight. Verse number 1, Numbers 22 says, And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho. So I'll just say this, they were on the move. God's people were on the move. God was blessing them. Verse 2, And Balak, he's one of the main characters, he's a king, And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. What had they done to the Amorites? They had been victorious. God had blessed them. They were strong and powerful. Verse 3, And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the, the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. And so, King Balak, he's concerned. He's seen what God's people, the Israelites, have done to the Amorites. He's concerned. He's talked to the the, uh, Midianites. And he says, we're going to be destroyed too. And so he's got to do something, right? So verse 5, he does. It says, he, King Balak, sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam. Now, he's really the main character of this story. Balaam, he was a prophet, the son of Beor, to Pethor. Now, that would have been modern-day Syria. So this is about King Balak gets all worked up. He's got to do something to save his people from the Israelites, whom God is blessing and empowering. And so there's somebody who comes to his mind. He's heard of somebody that there's a prophet. And when this prophet speaks and he curses somebody, or he blesses somebody, that happens. And so King Balak thinks, and he, and he thinks, you know, i got to get this guy here. His name is Balaam. He's 400 miles away. That's how far the distance would have been. 400 miles away. And I don't think he had frequent flyer miles for his entourage, okay? But he thinks, i got to get Balaam here to curse the people of Israel so that we can, be, we can survive this. And so it goes on, it says, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth. Slight exaggeration. There were a lot of them, but there weren't that many. And they abide over against me. Now that was true. Now this is what he wanted Balaam to do. Verse 6. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot, or I understand, that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. That they, They're taking treasure with them to lure the prophet Balaam to curse the people of Israel. And so they they go all this way, and they came unto Balaam, the end of verse 7, and they spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? Now, did God know who these men were that were staying the night with Balaam? Did he? Did God know? Yes. God always knows, right? He knows all things. Why do you suppose God asked the prophet Balaam that question? You know, this isn't the only time God asks 
a man a question when God already knows the answer. And I think God sometimes, throughout the Bible, many times, asked men questions so that they would actually engage their brain and think about what was happening. Who are these men? What's their motive? What do they want? Is their motive in line with God's motive? Whatever the case, God asks Balaam this question. What men are these with thee? And verse 10, Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them, peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. Verse 12 is very important to understanding this story. So pay close attention to verse 12. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Now, is there any misunderstanding about God's will for the prophet Balaam? Should he go? Okay, it's pretty clear. But we're going to see tonight three marks in the life of a man who isn't listening to God. I asked you up front, are you listening to God? And I don't know what your answer was. Maybe you didn't give one. If you're like me, and the preachers ask a question like that, and I say, go on, tell me, what else, tell me where you're going before I'm going to answer you. Maybe you're like me in that. Maybe you were real quick, yes or no. Um, I don't know what your answer was, but these three marks will reveal in your life whether you are or whether you aren't. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us, I pray, as we look at your word tonight. Thank you so much for all of your word, both the Old and the New Testament. Lord, thank you for keeping it for us so we can learn from these people, in the Old Testament even, uh, who interacted with you and, much like us, did not obey and did not listen. Father, this is not a pleasant story. It is humorous. But, Lord, I pray that we learn from it. May we be people who listen to you, who incline our ears to your word, whose hearts desire and thirst after your word and hunger for it. Father, I pray that would be true for the men in this room and the women, grandparents, moms and dads, children. May we be people who listen very intently to what you say. And, Father, I pray it would be true. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, um, again, are you a good listener? I won't ask your wives, if you're, if you're a husband here, are you a good listener? Um, some of your wives are so loyal, they don't even flinch. Um, Cindy's not here, so that's good. But are you a good listener? You know, the prophet Balaam, the word of God is very clear to him in verse 12. Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. That was God's answer. That was God's will. That was his way for Balaam. But Balaam was not a good listener. And so how do you know if you're listening or not? Because as we go through this passage, you're going to see it's a little confusing. Balaam, actually, he resists God's word, and, and he kind of tries to reason with God. He actually, at a couple places, he blames God for what he can't do in his life, what he wants to do. His, his, the lusts of his flesh are revealed for us. 
And, and really it comes down to, is he going to pursue the lust of his flesh or is he going to pursue the word and the will and the way of God? And uh, I hate to make it so simple right up front, but that's really true and that's really the way it is for you and for me too. Are we going to trust God's way and his word or are we going to follow and pursue our way and really our flesh? our fleshly desires, and we all have them. And so there are three marks I find in the life of Balaam, uh, three marks in the, in the life of a person who is not listening to God. Mark number one, a person who is not listening to God will resist God's word. They'll resist God's word. Now look at verse number 13, and we're going to read on down through verse number 19. Look there at verse number 13. So God tells him his will in verse 12, Thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. In verse 13, the Bible says, And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. Sounds pretty good. So far, Balaam's doing all right. Verse 14, And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And of course, What's not included there is their long journey. Verse 15, And Balak sent yet princes, uh, again, princes more and more honorable than they. So people, he's trying to leverage Balaam. He's trying to, uh, he's trying to honor Balaam in some way with more money and more, more popular, more honorable people to get Balaam to do what he wants. Verse 16, And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak the son of Zippor, let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, for I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. Look at verse number 18. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, therefore, I pray you, Tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. Wait a minute. God already said, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. But here in, in these verses, I noticed that Balaam resisted the word of God. God had clearly spoken to Balaam. Don't go with them. Thou shalt not go with them. What are some, what are some areas in our lives where God has clearly spoken to us? Husbands, how are we supposed to love our wives? Wives, how are, we supposed to, how are you supposed to submit yourselves to your own husbands? Children, how are you at obeying your parents? God's spoken very clearly, right? He's told us about lying and deceit. You see, God has spoken very clearly to us in so many ways. But a believer, a person who isn't listening to what God is saying, finds himself trying to get around what God has said. A believer who's resisting the word of God can only see what I'm going to call a blank check. Now look back at our passage because there's a blank check here in our passage. Did you notice it? Look at, verses, look at verse 15 and following. And Balak sent yet, uh, yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, not even God's word. For I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. So King Balak offers Balaam a blank check. You name your price, 
I will do whatever you ask me to do. If you'll come, disobey the word of God, and curse the people that I want cursed. If you'll do what you want to do, what you really want to do in your flesh, and we're going to see this is fleshliness on Balaam's part, then I'll give you whatever you want. Look at verse 18. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. If someone were to offer you a blank check to disobey God, if they would give you whatever you wanted, whatever you want, you can have if you'll disobey the word of God. What would be your price? Now, what's amazing to me is it doesn't take that long for Balaam to identify his price. Did you notice this in this passage? It doesn't take him very long. They, ought, they make the offer in verse 17, I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And in the very next verse, in verse 18, Balaam answers, and he says, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. I don't know that he was, I think he was kind of mumbling in that last sentence of that verse. I cannot go against, the, what is that, Balak? I cannot go against the, a house full of silver and gold. Bala, Balak's house full of silver and gold. I actually think Balaam almost names his price here. But you know, in these verses, in verse 13, the latter part, I notice he kind of blames God a little bit. At the end of verse number 13, when he tells them to go back to their land, and it sounds good at first, but you'll notice he says, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. There's a subtleness to this, but it's almost like my mom and dad won't let me go. And if you think I'm making it up, it shows up often in this narrative. Often. In verse number 18, look down to verse 18, the latter part, he says it again, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. It's it's very subtle, but I, I, I believe there's something to it. In chapter 23, in verse number 26, he says it again. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told not I thee, saying that all that the Lord speaketh, that I must do. It's almost like I have to do what my parents tell me to do. I have to do what God says. I have to do it. In verse number, or chapter 24, in verses 12 and 13, it happens again, and it's my mommy and daddy won't let me go. He resists the word of God. And it starts out subtly because he starts blaming God. God won't let me. Is that how you and I go through life? Is that how you and I go through life? Are we in that in tune with our fleshly desires that sometimes we kind of begrudge God because he opposes our flesh? I mentioned it last week. I think it was last week I mentioned it to you. I think Jim, it is Jim Berg who talks about this in a book that he wrote, Changed into His Image. And he makes the statement in that book, and I believe it's true, that if God wanted to destroy us, all he would have to do is turn us over to our fleshly desires. That's all he'd have to do. That's how wicked our flesh is. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, 
we actually get a really good biblical picture of that. He just turns people over to their natural desires and it brings destruction into their lives. And yet sometimes even we as God's children kind of have the attitude of we're so in tune with our flesh that it's almost like I would, I would love to, but God God won't let me do it. And so I ask again, do you believe that God wants what is best for you? Do I believe that God wants what is best for me? that he is actively working to accomplish that which is best for, for my good and for his glory in this life. Because we can go through this life as a child of God and we can, we can sing praises and say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul, and I'm so glad that heaven is my home and we have this wonderful hope of heaven and assurance of heaven. We're so glad hell is not in the future for those of us who have trusted Christ as our personal Savior. And yet, do we kind of drag our feet through this life, more in tune with our flesh than the Spirit of God, do we kind of resent God? And I think Balaam does. I also notice in our passage, look at verse number 18, Balaam starts to try to break God down. Look at verse number 18. Verse number 18. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Then in verse 19 he says, Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye also here this night that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. And I, I really get the impression here that Balaam's almost trying to get God to change his mind. You know, children, do you ever go back to your, do you ever go to your parents and say, hey, can I do this? And they say, no. And, and you're like, oh, you know. And then, and then the, the, their will is clear, no. Do you ever go back to them, like with a different angle? And then back to them again with some other angle. You ever do that? Is it, do you go back to them because you're not sure if they meant it or not? Or do you go back to them because you really think by giving them more information and maybe, maybe changing your attitude that you can get a yes answer? And you know what? I think Balak or Balaam does that to God. You know, at first he sends the first entourage back. Nope, God won't let me head on home. Uh, King Balak sends another group of men, more honorable, with greater gifts. And they say, listen, you name your price and come curse the people and you can have whatever you want. And he says, don't go anywhere. I pray you stay here the night and let's just see what God has to say from here on out. You know, I think at this point, the prophet Balaam had already determined what he wanted to do and what he was going to do. Did he want to obey God? Do you think this prophet wanted to obey God? I don't think so. What did he want? He wanted a house full of silver and gold. He wanted riches. Now again, for you and for me tonight, it may not be a house full of silver and gold. Most of us wouldn't want that at all. That was kind of a joke. But you know what? Every one of us, to a degree, our flesh has a price. There's a price. What would I be willing to disobey the Spirit of God for? What pleasure... What earthly pleasure, what, what feeling would I be willing to disobey God for? And, and, and he's not listening, and the first mark is that he resists, he resists the word of God. Uh, Psalm 119 tells us this. He says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. That's what our, our response to God's word ought to be. I will not forget thy word. 
In verse 11 of that same psalm, he says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart to keep in a safe place that I might not sin against thee. The Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, not only did Balaam resist the word of the Lord, but he also, and secondly, he ran after the world. And that's the second mark of a person who's not listening to God. The first mark is that they resist God. And it's frankly, frankly, it can be a little subtle. It doesn't have to be open and openly rebellious. It can be subtle. I kind of blame God for the, the way in life that I've the way of life that I've been that I've been dealt. Uh, the life I've been given. I kind of blame God, you might say. Or and then and then what, what was the second part? He tries to break God down. Maybe you kind of reason with him. And really we don't reason with him too much, it's just us reasoning with ourselves. Because if we can, if we can make our, give ourselves an element of peace about something, then we'll, we'll go ahead and do it. We'll go ahead and do it. So be careful of this. He resists the word of the Lord. Secondly, he, he runs after the world. Um, now, when I say world, I'm talking about fleshly desires. This was his fleshly, natural desires, okay? And Balaam just runs right after them. In Jude, verse 11, the Bible says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, for reward. What was his error? His error was not listening, disobeying God, and running like crazy after fleshly things, trying to satisfy the lust of his flesh. Do you think it's possible to ever, in this life or in any life, satisfy the lusts of our flesh? Do you think so? I want you to think about it. Is it possible to fully satisfy, to find satisfaction in fleshly things? Yes or no? No. I brought something up to Cindy the other day. And uh, I showed her a picture on my phone. And I said, how would I look writing that? And her response was, it wouldn't satisfy you. You know what I mean? Have you ever thought that? If I could just have that, I would be so happy. If I just had that, I would be satisfied. You know that nothing in this world, nothing in this world ultimately satisfies. This flush, this flush, this flesh, close. It is not, you cannot satisfy it, okay? And so, you ought to know that right up front, because not that there's anything wrong necessarily with me riding that thing, but that thing's never going to satisfy, you see. And you can, and for you, you don't want to ride one of those. You want, and you fill in the blank. But you see, the flesh is never satisfied. Um, look with me, if you would, over to 1 John chapter 2, because I want, I want you to... And I want us to be able to see very clearly tonight what I'm talking about when I say that Balaam ran after the world. Okay, so 1 John chapter 2. What is the world? Years ago, when I was traveling in evangelism, I remember holding meetings on the Delmarva Peninsula, out east. And I was meeting, the the pastor who was pastoring that particular church um, was talking to me about something. And he made a comment about the world. And his question, he asked me a question, he said, what is worldliness? 
like we live in this world, Evangelist Ferguson, what is worldliness? And that's a good question. And his, his perspective was there really isn't anything that is worldly. That's a big mistake. Look at 1 John chapter 2, and look at verse number 15 through following. And this is worldliness, okay? He says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here it is, this is worldliness, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay, the lust of the flesh. Um, the lust of the eyes would be looking at something and the desire that, okay, the, the pride of life, you look at it and you say, well, I deserve it. Don't I deserve to be happy? Don't I deserve some relaxation? Don't I deserve a break? Now, does God want us to have a break from time to time? Sure. Sure he does. But this, it's an attitude. It's an attitude of God is not enough. In my flesh, in, in, in the lust that it brings for whatever things, maybe for some it's fame, glory, Riches and wealth, popularity, to be cool, whatever it may be. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of God, it's of the world. Look at verse 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You can go back to our text in Numbers chapter 22. But worldliness is, has everything to do with fleshly, worldly desires. And our fleshly desires, we can't please God with our fleshly, worldly desires. And we all have fleshly, worldly desires. We all have them. We're all, there's, there's a battle to a degree. And Paul talked about that. The spirit and the flesh warring are at war one with the other. And we all face it. But, but I can't help, as I look at our text, as Balaam's running after the world, I can't help but notice that, that he runs boldly. Look at Numbers 22 and verse 21. Numbers 22 and verse 21. I'll read down through verse number 22, the beginning part. Verse 21 says, And Balaam... Oh, I didn't read to you verse 20. Let's look at that first. Verse 20. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. I want to say just a word about that. Did God change his mind? No. But just because God doesn't restrain, doesn't mean he's in agreement with. In other words, just because we can get away with something, or seem to get away with something, doesn't mean that God, it, God's okay with it, okay? And that's important. Like, if you uh, drive your parents car, and they have some rules about what you listen to on the radio, but you like to listen to other things on the radio, and so you've got it worked down, out to a science, so by the time you, your, your wheels hit your road, you're already, you're like back to where it needs, needs to be, you know, for your parents, and, uh, and, you know, they'll never figure it out type of thing. Of course, it's not the radio anymore, right? It's our phones. You, we can operate our phones that way, um, and no one will ever know type of thing. Just because God doesn't melt the phone in your hand 
I mean, I guess it would be easier to tell what wasn't his will and what was his will if that happened. But just because your phone doesn't, like, incinerate doesn't mean that he's okay with it. And that's what happens here to Balaam. And God, God knows Balaam's heart. He knows his heart is not for God. He knows his heart and the desires of his flesh. And now he's set on obtaining these things. And so God tells him, okay, you can go with the men. Verse 21, and Balaam rose up in the morning. I don't think he slept in. And he saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And notice verse 22, and God's anger was kindled because he went. God's anger was kindled because Balaam wasn't listening to him and he was disobeying him. And I know, I can't help but, but tell here that Balaam runs boldly. You know, had, had Balaam listened at all, he would have known not to go with these men. God told him not to go. Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people for they are blessed. That was God's clear will. If he just listened, he would have known not to run after the world and he would not have been bold in following the world, but Balaam thinks he can disobey God and he can fulfill the lust of his flesh. You know, King Saul thought the same thing, but the prophet Samuel told Saul, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Samuel then told Saul, God's going to take your kingdom from you. In Isaiah 65, in verse 2, the Bible says, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face. And so my question tonight is, are you following the world, your flesh? Now, you're here tonight on a Sunday night, so most of us, at least I might look out and say, you're not, you're obviously not. But you know, that's not necessarily completely true. Because you might be following God in one area, but not in another area. And I want you to be thorough tonight. And I want you to think about it. And I want you to answer the question, are you following God or your flesh? Because the flesh always leads to destruction. It always leads to regret. It always leads to heaviness and burden and shame. And I'm telling you tonight, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It seems to give pleasure for a time, for a season, but when you have to pay up for it, it costs you so, so much. And so examine your hearts tonight. So he runs boldly, but I also notice he runs blindly. Look at verse 22, the latter part. We're going to read down through verse 31. So God's anger was kindled because Balaam... He's on his donkey, he's riding to go meet King Balak so we can get all of this wealth and curse God's people. And it says in verse 22, And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Never a good thing. Now God's opposing him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. The donkey sees the angel of the Lord standing in the way, his sword drawn in his hand, and the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, the wall being on this side and the wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. This is turning into animal abuse. 
verse 26. And the angel of the Lord went further, this is the third time, and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn, either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down. The donkey falls down under Balaam. But Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. I like this. And she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass. Now that's even more funny, in my opinion. I mean, it's one thing if your animal talks to you, but if it does, you ought to leave the house, okay? This is interesting. Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now would I kill thee. This guy's not a very merciful guy, is he? And the ass said unto Balaam, they're having a regular conversation here, Am not I thine ass upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever want to do so unto thee? And I think she was probably moving her head like this. I don't know that for true. It doesn't say it, but I think she might have been doing that. Now, here's the great part. Look at Balaam's response here. Look at Balaam's response Uh, at the end of verse number 30. What does Balaam say, everybody together? Nay. That's too much. What do you do with that? He's talking like a donkey. She's talking like a human. Yeah. You know, this guy was blind as a bat to the will of God, wasn't he? But it had been spoken to him. God actually had spoke to him. Isn't that amazing? I wonder what God wants me to do. Should I go? Should I not go? What should I do? How should I handle this situation? Next time you're faced with one of those decisions in life, what should I do here? I want you to go back. I want you to remember Balaam. And I want you to go back in your mind to the Word of God and what you absolutely know to be God's will. Go back to what is crystal clear, what you know. What you know you should do. How am I going to respond to my spouse? You might say, "They're, they're not, you know, He's just being a jerk, or she's not being kind. I can't say that about her. She's not being kind. Well, how should I respond? Well, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Yeah, but what he really needs, or what she really needs, It's a whole lot easier to go through life when we just take God at his word and do what he has clearly told us to do. Start there. And then trust him to guide and direct your steps for those harder areas that are a little unclear. But start in the areas you know are true. You know, in this passage, God actually causes a donkey to speak in an effort to help Balaam to see the error of his way, but he can't. He's so blind. Why was he blind? I'll tell you why he was blind. All he could think about was his lust, his fleshly desire. That is what consumed his mind. That's all he could think about. You know, in his mind, and this is the way it would have been, if he could just have a house full of silver and gold, he'd be good. He'd be fine. He would be so happy. 
All of his problems would go away if he could just have that. Now, I doubt any of us came in tonight thinking, you know what? If I could just have a house full of silver and gold, I'd, all my woes would go away and all my fears and trials and worries and heartaches and grief would go away. And if I could have a house full of silver and gold. But you know what? I dare say most of, in this room, most of us in this room can probably actually identify something that our flesh desires that we've been in a struggle over. And in our minds, we've kind of been thinking, you know what? We're kind of leaning toward it. And if I just go ahead and give in to it, you know what? It'd bring me such happiness and peace. I just do it. And I want you to know tonight, learn from Balaam, it doesn't bring peace. It doesn't bring peace. Following and trying to gratify the lust of our flesh never brings peace. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter actually brings up this narrative, and he says this, speaking about Balaam, that he was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with the man's voice forbade, and then listen to how he describes the prophet Balaam. He describes him as the madness of the prophet. It was like Balaam was losing his mind. His decisions did not make sense. They were almost insanity. Why? Because God had said, he had God's word. He knew what was best. He could have trusted God. There was no question as to what God wanted, but he was mad because he was pursuing that which was in disobedience to God's will. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's one last truth, one last characteristic of a person who's not listening to God. They resist the word of God, blame God for where you're at in life, try to break God down, reason it out in your mind. Run after the world was number two. Run after the world. Just take off. Go boldly. You know, all in. Just go in. Dive in head first to the shallow end. Run blindly. He does that. But the last and the third characteristic of a person who's not listening is that they reject the warning. Now, can I, can I just say this? If you are resisting the word of God, and if you, are, you find yourself running after the world, and that's where you're at right now, and you know you're on that path. You, you know you're off course. The Spirit of God's been convicting you about something. You know it's wrong. You know what the right thing to do is, but you've been reasoning it and making excuses for it. And you're still, it brings you a little bit of joy and a little bit of entertainment maybe and a little bit of peace. At least it distracts you from, the, from life. And so you're, you've kind of persisted in your way a little bit. You're running blindly after the, the fleshly desires, worldly desires. Can I just say right now, you can still turn around. And I want to encourage you as your pastor, turn around now. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know what it is. Turn around now. For your own good. For the glory of God, turn around now. Go back to him and say, Lord, would you forgive me of my sin? Lord, I I confess it to you. I agree with you about it. It's wrong, and I'm, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me and make me clean again? Do that now before it's too late before you've gone too far. But Balaam doesn't do that. Look at verse 32. Verse 32. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? I find that interesting too. He seems to be concerned about the well-being of this donkey. And then the angel of God says, Behold, look and see, I went out to withstand thee because thy way is perverse before me. 
And the ass saw me and turned from, the, from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. The angel of God says, I was going to kill you, Balaam. I was going to save your donkey's life. Verse 34. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. And when we read that, we all should say, wonderful, this is good. He's being honest. He had sinned. But notice the very next statement. It's an excuse. For I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now, why had Balaam sinned? Had he sinned because he almost rode into an angel of God with a sword? Had he sinned because he had beaten his donkey? Was that his problem? Why had he sinned? Or what was Balaam's sin? Could someone please tell me? He disobeyed God. That was the sin. Balaam here, he's still reasoning with an angel of God. He's still excusing his wrong fleshly desires. And he says, I've sinned because I didn't know you were there and I almost ran you over with my donkey. I I don't know exactly what was on his mind, but he's excusing his sin. And then he says this, look at the end of verse 34. If it displease thee, I will get me back again. If you really want me to, I guess I can get on my donkey and go back home. Do you think, Balaam? Do you think, what do you think God wants? If, If you really want me to. And my question to us here today, tonight is this. For you, and you think about this between you and the Lord, what is it going to take for you to agree with God? He's been so merciful. He's been so gracious. He's been so long-suffering. He's been so slow to anger. And so gracious. What is it that he's clearly commanded you to do? And your flesh is running the wrong way. And I encourage you, don't respond the way Balaam does. Lord, I feel convicted right now. If you really don't want me to do that anymore, could you show me? He has. He has. The donkey has talked. I'll be the donkey. If you want me to be the donkey, I'll be the donkey. Okay? The donkey has spoken. The angel of the Lord has stood there with a sword in his hand. And I don't know... Maybe there's no one here tonight, and you're, you're not wandering at all. Maybe there's no one here wandering at all. Maybe in no, none of our lives tonight there's anyone here in any particular area of our life where we're wandering in fleshly desires and we're resisting the Lord. But maybe, just maybe, there is. And even if there's not tonight, no, we can take this and we can learn from it. We can take it with us as we go from this place. And when we're tempted to run after the world, we can remember that God is not going to be mocked. And there's still time to turn around. Look what happens in this passage. He fails to repent. I, I, I read that to you. The angel of the Lord tells him, I went out to withstand thee because thy way is perverse before me. But Balaam wouldn't admit that his way was perverse before God. He says, I've sinned. I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. You know, and Balaam failed to, to confess his sin. He never confessed his sin. He said he sinned, but he didn't agree with God about what his sin was. 1 John 1, 9 is a wonderful verse, and you ought to memorize it if you don't have it memorized. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what it feels like to be dirty? 
I don't mean physically dirty. I don't mean grimy, you mowed the lawn or you were working on a vehicle dirty. I, I mean sin dirty. You know what that feels like? It's a terrible feeling, isn't it? It's torturous to a child of God. And you know you're not right with God and it's miserable. And the wonderful truth about that verse is we can be right with him. We're, we're his child if we've received his son as our personal savior. Uh, and yet, when we sin in this life, we can still go through life without any sin in our lives between us and our Savior. No sin in our lives between us and God. We can be clean. We can have a clear conscience. A clear conscience is a beautiful thing. You don't have to lie. You don't have to cover it up. It's wonderful. It's part of our inheritance. It's part of being in Christ. And I want you to know as your pastor, this is not what I want for your life. We won't take any more time to read on. But Balaam, he goes on. The angel of God lets him go. He gets back on his donkey and off he rides. With a newfound relationship between him and his donkey. Doesn't, Bible doesn't record us for us any, uh, any more conversations between the two of them. But he goes and he meets King Balak, and King Balak takes him to this place, and they kill, they sacrifice bullocks and goats, seven of each, I believe, seven altars, 14 altars apiece, and for whatever reason, they do all this sacrifice, and Balak, King Balak, just can't wait. You know, Balaam's here, the prophet Balaam's here, and he's going to curse the people, and boy, when Balaam curses somebody, they're toast. That's it. That's all she wrote. It's over. And King Balak must have been so excited, and Balaam steps to the edge, and he overlooks the encampment of the Israelites, and he opens his mouth to curse the people of God, to, to disobey God, to, to fulfill. He's this close to a house full of silver and gold. He's this close to his fleshly desires being satisfied, and he opens his mouth to curse God's people, and the only thing that comes out of his mouth is blessings. Well, you remember, God told him, you can go, but the only thing you're going to say are what I'm going to tell you to say. And King Balak is furious. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because Balaam had a reputation who he cursed, where they were cursed, and who he blessed, they were blessed. And now he's blessing the people, and Balak says, what are you doing? I told you to curse the people. I brought you here to curse the people. And Balaam looks at him, he says, didn't I tell you that the only thing I could say was what God would let me, and he's still kind of blaming God. Build me seven more altars and for the bullock and seven more for the goats. And they build all the altars again. And then he walks to the edge at time number two. And he opens his mouth to curse the people. He just wants to fulfill the lust of his flesh. He just wants to have peace. He just wants to have wealth. He opens his mouth and all that comes out is blessings again. King Balak's furious. You can read about it. He's furious. What are you doing? And Balak, King Balak makes an interesting proposition. He says, maybe if we go somewhere else, somewhere else, maybe it'll work there. And they go somewhere else to try to make it work there. And, and the third time is not the charm. Uh, Balaam, the prophet, steps to the, the precipice and he opens his mouth. But this time, I, don't think, I, don't, I think he'd given up pretty much. He opens his mouth and out comes from his mouth more blessings. Balak's furious. Balaam, the prophet's disappointed. And if you read on, you'll find that the prophet Balaam ultimately was killed by the sword. 
should have just obeyed God. It's not just the safe place to be. Obeying God is the blessed place to be. It's the place of blessing. The place that God has chosen, that he has communicated to us, is the place that he blesses. It's the place of peace. It's the, place, it's the place of contentment. Now, that goes against what some of our flesh has been telling us. No. Where I've been is not the place of peace. It's not the place of contentment. That's where the place of peace is. That's where the place of contentment. If I could just do that, be that, have that, I would be okay. That's a lie. That's a lie. God has spoken. Our response is to listen. And my question to you is, are you listening? Church, let's be a listening church. Let's incline our ears to the Lord. Let's lean in close and listen to what he has to say. And what he does in our lives through his word will be miraculous. It will far exceed anything that we can imagine. There will be peace and contentment and joy. There will be hardship, but he will be with us all the way not opposing us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word tonight. Thank you for this picture for us. Lord, I pray that not anyone in this room would follow Balaam's example. What a terrible example. Lord, I pray for our children here that they would listen to their authority, their parents, grandparents, their teachers. I pray that Wives would listen to their husbands, and husbands even would listen to their wives, and there would be good communication there. But more than that, Father, I pray that we would all, as individual believers, listen to you. And Father, as we do, I pray that you would give us grace, give us strength for what, where we're at in life. Give us wisdom and understanding. And Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.